hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on it so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc. And the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc dot com slash drink. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Christine. Oh, how are you? Uh, oh, I am a-okay i just took my vitamins and you know we're just proud of you thank you waiting for them to kick in i've officially made an apothecary yes um, which i'm very excited but i'll send you a picture of it it's uh it looks very well it, you tell me what i need to do to update it because right now i think it looks pretty darn good but uh i i want to like change up like the either the tray or something i want it to look like look like a whole like experience you know what i'm saying and right now sure. i just have the right now i just have the spooky bottles which i'm fine with but it's we can do better we yeah. can do better you know what i mean um but anyway i'll send you a picture of that i'm sending it right now to geo's trio okay. geo's trio do you know i do that every time i think about geo's trio <laughs> no i didn't <laughs> but now i do oh, anyway okay i sent you a picture the that's my apothecary situation. Um, and it makes, I'm telling you, if you are someone out there who needs to start taking vitamins or supplements, it is a fucking game changer. Cause every day I wake up and I go, <gasps> every day I think I've got to just, I got to get to the apothecary real quick, but I hope it's open. I sure oh. hope, I sure hope the, the apothecary man is there for me today. And this uh, is, this is good stuff. 
It's good stuff, right? It's you're, not bad. You're onto something here. Are, are these, what are these, Tylenol? No, vitamins. In Penelope's, why is it called Penelope's? Okay, so that was, uh, that's one place out here that Eva's actually currently obsessed with. It's called um, Toothsome's Emporium or oh. Sir, Sir Toothsome's Emporium or something. And it's like a restaurant that's also got a lot of like, it's like got like a candy store. But it ha- oh. it's all like steampunk apothecary Fun. themed. And, uh, but so I went there before I even knew Eva liked it, but Allison and I stumbled upon it and they have a whole bunch of like fun, you know, apothecary jars. And so I was like, and they're, they're filled with candy, but then I was like, let's just get this and then eat the candy. And then I've got apothecary what, jars. It's like best of both worlds. I know it. And so anyway, I, there's a lot of bottles there and only like half of them are currently filled. And I found some like DIY thing where you can like dye the glasses they look so I, like <gasps> all, all like different colors there this is like very much the early levels the early stages oh, and then one good. day one day when allison and i like have like a much bigger place we plan on having a room that looks like half apothecary half uh spooky tavern half like witch's area which nook yeah, you, you put that in your zillow search right uh-huh was one, well yeah. Certainly, we uh, we have requested an additional room. <laughs> right, so, right. That's close enough. They'll know what it means. They'll know what it means. But so, uh, anyway, when, uh, you know, one day we'll have a big spooky cabinet that's unnecessarily large full of vials. But this is my this is my starter pack. I love it. It's great. Um, I'm I'm impressed. It's not really as, um, you know, thorough as, as, as my apothecary, which is uh, otherwise known as my nightstand. Um <laughs> But it is much more organized, so <laughs> I, I am impressed by that. I'm very proud. I'm very proud of your nightside apothecary. Thank for... you. Anyway, that's why I drink uh, this week. I drink water with my vitamins, with my apothecary pills, because I am growing my apothecary. And why do you drink, Christine? Oh, boring. You should be drinking laudanum or something. You should get some cooler, <laughs> some cooler liquids to go with your. I don't know. Tincture. You could get a tincture. Tinctures. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Allison, by the way, tried to insert herself into this apothecary plan. And she was like, well, we should get jars and put a bunch of my lotions in it because at an apothecary, they would sell balms. And I'm like, you just want to play. You just want to be in the apothecary. <laughs> you just want to be part of this. I'm. A, you say, I'm an only child, Allison. You don't I was, get to have my apothecary. Get your I own. Was, I was like, we can have a shared apothecary when we have like a big old house that has enough room for all of your balms. Like as someone who she has like 60,000 lotions and she's like, we should put all my stuff in your apothecary. And I'm like, then, then I'm barely involved. So anyway, then you will need to hire someone to run it. And uh, well, we should have, I was telling her we should have like a bottom, like if we have a big spooky cabinet is what I'm thinking. Big cabinet. Yep. Bottom, bottom row, like coffees and tea leaves in jars. Love that idea. Middle one, maybe like lotions and, you know, skincare being good for yourself moments. And then a whole other row is just vitamins and supplements. So the inside of you is taken care of. Okay, hear me out. I would switch the lotion and the vitamins just because it kind of weirds me out that the coffee and the lotions would be like commingling almost. You know what I mean? You know, that's me trying to compromise with Allison because she's shorter and will need the shorter <sighs> shelf. But I do think we should put all of her stuff on the highest shelf where no one can touch it. I do think that's a good idea. So I am with you. Oh, I was thinking lotion's bottom now. Because if Allison's shorter, she reaches Mm. the bottoms. Any of the scents just kind of 
sink down. They don't they don't dilute all of your tinctures. I see where you're going. I kind of like the idea of hiding all of her stuff, though. That I, sounds like a fun I would, game. <laughs> I think once you mentioned that idea, I, I jumped ship and um, got on board with yours. But yes, I, I love your apothecary. Um, Thank you. We'll shop it. We'll figure it out. I love it. I uh, I can't wait to stop by, see what's available. Um, if you, you ever know, need get, anything, you get let something me know. to cure my woes. Mm. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. Um, I think you would like that that secret fourth shelf where it's actually involved. It's also affiliated with the spooky tavern. If you know what I'm saying. <gasps> Ding. <laughs> I'm into I think that's it. The Christine shelf. Last I it's checked. It's just like uh, some some codeine laced uh <laughs> alcoholic cough syrup up top for for your woe for all my woes yeah, yeah. okay why do you drink oh i drink um my tincture today which is just another water boring um because i got a haircut do you like my hair i chopped it all off mm-hmm you caught me in a moment when I was drinking water that was not meant to sound so Everybody awkward. Everybody is now thinking, Christine's hair must look terrible. Yeah. <laughs> hair looks, it looks very nice. Terrible. You caught me as it, mid, mid big gulp. Oh. Um, did you go to a new place or do you have a regular? I did. Guess how much it cost? Ooh, that's a risky game. Um, $10. No, I don't know. <laughs> like 60 What? $30. Oh, right in the middle. Are you kidding? Do you know that I got Gio's haircut the other day? It was $130. I'm like, my haircut was $100 less than Gio's. Like, what to is be fair, going on? Every inch of his body is covered with hair. I know. He's I'm like sure. Gaston. Yeah, he probably did add a lot of anxiety to people's days when he goes into that hair salon. So, like, I know, I know, but like, wow, I just felt like, what is going on? I'm like, I don't have an excuse. Like I spent two years not getting my hair cut because I have so many excuses. Like it's so expensive. And now it's 30 bucks. Are you kidding? Like I'll get my hair cut every day. I don't care. I used to like, I mean, when I had long hair, getting my hair cut was not an like a regular event, but it costs a lot of money. And I used to think like, man, people with short hair, like they really just like make out like bandits. But I have to get my hair cut like every month if not every every right. other month at least and Lace so even though to it's do it himself you know he's like forget it i would love to learn how to do it myself like rj cuts his own hair sometimes and i'm like that's honestly so impressive but i think he just takes like a buzzer to it i don't think he actually i just i'm very you know people with skills are just always well, so impressive to hasn't me hasn't allison tried to cut your hair <laughs> That was a COVID situation. I don't okay. think we've, that was a quarantine project. That uh, wasn't part and, of the apothecary's offerings. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I do. Um, she did a great job for not knowing what she was doing. I was impressed. I mean, it's better than anything I could pull off. So yeah, we also. I mean, it was the perfect time to do it though, because if I hated it, we were still inside for another year. So whatever. That's fair. That's fair. But um, but yeah, that's all. I don't really have anything too exciting. Well, that's not true. I'm literally the reason I drink in a negative way is I'm just like so overwhelmed by our upcoming tour in a good oh. way, in a good way, in a bad way, and a bad way. I'm excited for you to come rehearse, and I'm excited for the day where we're like, okay, we've got it. I'm but very excited for that day, and I'm honestly so angry it hasn't come yet. Um, wow. I really am so fucking stressed. Like the <laughs> Me too. like, like I'm so stressed. This is the only time today that I probably won't be crying. Um, and it's because I'm trying to be brave for you. <laughs> me too. And there's just nothing in my apothecary yet that has been able to fix me. Um, can you can you step it up, please? Because I would love to visit your apothecary 
and cure my woes, which this is my big woe right now. The, sec- the second I have like something stronger than propranolol, I'll call you. Thank but, you. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I really, I'm just so beyond Ooh. scared. Like I'm currently cold because my blood is running icy. Nice. It's, tr- it's holy crap. We're it's scared. also so scary because we were so proud of the last show that like yes. we just feel like this show has to be on par if not better and like and the, the the other thing is the first time we did here for the booze was in january of 2020 right is that mm-hmm. right february and so, a whole year february of 2020 and so this is the first time we're doing a new show for the first time in three years like this is in other words, even though we had a long break and then had to go back with here for the booze, we we at least knew like how at people least had a reacted <laughs> to things. We at least knew like the like uh, which clips were funny and like oh some of this stuff will be. But now we're like we just have to tell ourselves people will like it, but like we have no proof of that, so it's kind of terrifying. It's like the first show, Phoenix. We're looking at you. Uh, you better laugh. We Love. are very lucky because Phoenix is has always been one of our loudest crowds. It's and our so, favorite. We always go there first, I feel like. And so um, this is going to be really... I'm sure this comes out after that it show. Does. And if Phoenix happened to be incredibly quiet, uh-oh. <laughs> I don't think oh, they will God. be. They're great. They're, every time we go there, they... And, and don't worry, guys. We... we are making a show there will be a show we're just in those like frenzied that frenzied state of like it right now it's all a jumble and we're trying to put the pieces together Um, let's be honest let's be just totally point blank here let's be real tmi about it i'm having nervous poops every single day let's just be let's just talk about it i'm for sure i'm scared always and i just want to be everyone knows what that feeling is when you just like your your tummy doesn't feel good because you're so scared about something feels like it's like dropping every time you think about it Mm -hmm. it's i've just been on one big drop this whole time and i just hate it and um every time someone in our team is like hey so like there's an interview opportunity for next week i'm like don't you know what we're panicking through for the next several weeks Every we, second of every day, do you think I have time for an interview? People, I and also I really my my own friends don't seem to understand that this is like a full flight or fight experience, and they'll be like, "Oh, we, when's your show? Oh, tell me all about your show. I want to talk about your show." And I'm like, truly, the last thing I want to do. I please don't. If you're gonna ask about it, just don't. Please don't be near me because I just like the one moment I could think about how how I'm not on stage is like now being complete with people asking me about being on stage. And like, I, unless you want to get projectile <gasps> vomit, unless you want to get projectile vomited on, maybe don't ask any questions about it. Uh, anyway, we are, I know it's, it sounds so backwards, but we are also like, once we've got it figured out, we will be somewhat excited. And I say somewhat because I will be terrified until 10 minutes into the show when my propranolol is kicked in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to feel so grateful that this is our job and I'm going to be so blown away and I'm going to be so happy and I'm going to be like, I can't believe this is what we get to do for... But I remember s- when we were worried and then we're I immediately going to sink right back. It's the most twisted experience where like half the time I'm in complete peril and the other half the time I'm just so fucking stoked that this gets to be my life and mm-hmm. there's never a gray space. It's just, it's so wild. So... Mm-hmm. Anyway, by the time this comes out, we will be in the stoked period. But we are talking about all of our jitters currently. And uh, ah, that's it. 
I know. Poor Eva has been in zero of the brainstorming sessions um, because Emma and I basically kick her out because we're like, you you don't need to see us this way. Like, not like this. <laughs> not like this. You know, you see us in so many different states of behavior and uh, of peril and of fight or flight. But just sit this one out. Like, you know, take care of yourself because we're going to really send you into some sort of a mental black Tizzy. hole. And so instead, we've been doing it solo. So Eva is coming to rehearse uh, next week as we record this and has absolutely no idea what to expect. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> she might need some of our propranolol or something. <laughs> I know. She's going to be making phone calls in the back like, yeah, we need some help here. <laughs> okay. Anyway, well, anyway. That's why uh, I drink, okay? Yay. What a good, serious, important, big reason to drink. And it's also why I drink every day of my life. Um, yep. I thought so. Ooh, all right. Well, um, hmm. Let's just jump into it, Christine. Why don't we? Let's do it. And that's why we drink is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your terms. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I don't know this for a fact, but it's my opinion that there is no easier way to build a website than Squarespace because of this drag-and-drop technology. It gets better every year, and it is just, you when you think it can't get any better and easier, it does. I've been using Squarespace <laughs> since 2017. Um, and in that time, they have just proven themselves to be the best and easiest way to make a website. So anytime I make a website for any reason, that's where I go. When you're ready to get started, you can use one of Squarespace's professional website templates with designs for every category, and then you can customize it. You can customize the look, add new content, add features to fit your unique needs. It's just a great spot to have a landing page for you, for your business, for whatever it is you're trying to market or showcase. Squarespace is the best platform to use, in my opinion. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um, so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department love that thing and that's why we drink listeners can get 15% off their first order at burrow.com slash drink that's burrow b-u-r-r-o-w.com slash drink for 15% off burrow.com slash drink we're obviously feeling a little chaotic and nervous about things today uh here is a chaotic nerve-wracking topic are you ready oh. for it um 
I thought, no, yes. I was like, wow, I'm ready for something to, to some escapism. And then you were like, no, here's more of the feeling you're currently feeling. But okay. Um, it's a tinge of, it's a tinge of frenzy. But other than that, it's an escape. Okay. I'm, I'm in. I like a little frenzy. Here is a touch of frenzy. A touch of frenzy. Also known as the seven deadly sins. <gasps> Not okay. to be confused with the circles of hell, which I did cover in, I think, episode 65. So. I, I remember we were on tour, I think, during that, too. I remember you researching that, I think, on a train or something. <laughs> that sounds... Maybe right. I'm or maybe not... that was a dream I had. Anyway, what a what an odd dream, Hon. Come to my apothecary. I'll fix you right up. That's... You need. What does it mean? Read my palm and give me a tincture. <laughs> I really, I would like a sign eventually in my apothecary that says tinctures. Um, you really. That's... I'm gonna make you one that says "Read my palm and give me a tincture." That sounds like um. I just haven't heard that word before. Not before, but in a very long time. So it's it's feeling right in my brain it's one, it's one of my favorites tincture it's it's feeling bubbly in my in my head if you know what i'm saying that's the idea all right seven deadly sins and also a quick featurette of their affiliated demons <gasps> okay so uh the seven deadly sins which i'm excited to talk to you about sweet uh raised christian child catholic Catholic, excuse Te me. Te it is technically Christian, but I y'all sep y'all separate yourselves from the rest of the Christians. What do you think you're God? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the seven deadly sins, aka the seven vices, mortal I guess sins, I, cardinal I, I, sins. The reason we separate is it's just like a very niche. Like if you're going to Catholic school, like everyone is like everyone who's been to Catholic school is like, oh, I know what that's like. You know what I mean? Like it's a very um, nuanced. Unique nuanced form of uh of child trauma <laughs> yeah, of trauma <laughs> precisely so i just say that for other people who have also experienced that um to, to get uh -huh. a little like so you, you feel know, seen i, fe I yeah. feel yeah 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 all right well then all of the all of you can uh probably harmoniously sing along to my notes as i talk oh, yeah. about something you know much more about than i do um but Fun fact is you know that the deadly sins don't actually come from the Bible. Yes. That's why when you said the Catholic thing, I was like, I don't, this isn't a thing I learned about because I don't think it's a, it's a biblical thing. Hmm. Well, but where do they come from? So it comes from the fourth century. Uh, and it was a monk named Evagrius Ponticus who lived in what is today's Turkey. Okay. Um, and he was an influential writer and philosopher and he was he was a monk who had a very very stern discipline and he walked the real straight and narrow super strict path Sounds avoided like indulgence yeah. he sounded like the exact opposite of who i'm inviting to a party i actually want to invite him to dinner because he probably will only drink water but i don't oh. want him to come to my party because i feel like i need a better energy than that I'll have him over with only one other person. So if I'm getting overwhelmed, the other person can maybe do the social dance for me. <laughs> um, but other than that, I don't want him ruining all my friendships at once. So maybe that's, he... that's right. Just one at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he wrote a lot about the spiritual hurdles that you could encounter. Um, and this is why I'm talking about Christianity, because I feel like you've had at least some conversations regarding I'm, that. I'm certain of it. Uh, and of his spiritual hurdles that you could encounter on your path towards God, uh, this led him to writing about the eight deadly thoughts. Oh. Instead of the seven deadly sins, eight deadly okay. thoughts. 
And I like that he felt like we needed to keep it real concise with eight. Like you could have like a hundred deadly thoughts, but he was like, mm, eight's probably, you know, the best. Eight, that we've like got. no one's, everyone's going to stop remembering after a dozen or so. <laughs> you might as well stick to like a, you know, a, ma- a handful, a manageable amount. Which actually is interesting because I do think seven is in psychology. I think the, the yes. research shows that seven after seven items you start forgetting things that's why phone numbers are seven digits mm-hmm. so i yep. think uh eight deadly thoughts obviously there's a reason that didn't land and it's because yeah, we all kept say, forgetting one <laughs> there's one we can never remember it's, it's like probably tra- forgetfulness <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you're trying to name all 50 states and there's always one you miss i always uh, miss about 36 but you know oh, okay <laughs> well one same difference well, so here, do you want to guess what the eight deadly thoughts are? They're mm. pretty much the same as the sins. Just I'm going to so. embarrass myself and, like, not know. Um, sloth. Um, mm-hmm. Sloth is greed, one. Uh, um, gluttony. Envy. Uh, uh, anger, which is, uh, uh, what's the word for anger again that they use? Some fancy well, word. They actually used anger for oh, this. Oh, okay. Never mind. Rage. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anger. You're thinking of wrath, but... Uh, oh, wrath. Wrath. Yes, yes, yes. But it was actually originally called anger. So. Oh, okay. See, I do. I That monk and I. Um, and I don't know. Lust? Did I say that already? Uh, so you're pretty on... You're pretty on board. There's... So you got gluttony. You got lust. You got envy, which at the time was called avarice. Mm. You got wrath which at the time was called anger you got sloth and then i think the i don't one of the ones that you did not get was pride which is still around (laughs) i wonder why (laughs) and then the other two at the time which no longer exist as sins were uh melancholy and vainglory oh (laughs) melancholy well yeah that's tough yeah so um allegedly christians ended up taking some of this also from uh they took some of this knowing about it and they also took from hellenism which was the pagan beliefs of ancient greece Mm. and also from an iranian folk religion which involved soul journeys after death and the kinds of things they might encounter as a soul um and so all of this kind of led to the concept well the deadly thoughts moved west it got translated to latin and then edited down to seven and basically all that compiled becomes the seven deadly sins. Cool. Um, so, it, yeah, it gets edited down to seven. And at one point, someone took out sloth. So sloth was out. Then they replaced it with envy. But they already had avarice. So, okay. Mm. Um, and then in the 13th century, we lost melancholy. We get sloth back. I love this like exchange there. <laughs> Who decides these things? I mean, God. I feel like there's a there's a council. There's got to be of like somebody. Yeah, there's it's like probably a council of like one guy, and he just can't make up his mind. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's actually he keeps switching it out for his diary by accident. He keeps writing his feelings in the wrong spot. And he's like, I'm not sad anymore, and he's just like, now I'm just sleepy. <sighs> um, I kind of think of it's it's more like uh. Like, I've always been really fascinated. I feel like there should be a documentary about this. The people who work for, like, Merriam-Webster, who, like, once a year sit around a table and, like, discuss every fucking word. And, like, I feel like there's some sort of thing going on like that where they're like, Like, what gets passed and what gets left on the floor. Yeah. 
I imagine there's some sort of like religion lawyers who would be involved in that council because you have to go through every situation of like, well, can you ha- have sloth for this? But can I you mean, have sloth it, for it that? Took them hundreds of years to decide mass was no longer in Latin. So like, I can't <sighs> imagine any of this goes uh, efficiently. You know, great point. Anyway, that's the way my brain's imagining it. That there's just a bunch of people writing down everything they've ever thought about. They're these just sitting concepts. at it. It's all men. They're all sitting at a table and they're all just bitching about this. Yeah. As if it's so, so important. So, uh, so melan- by the medieval times, melancholy is out. Uh, no, <laughs> melancholy. Yeah, melancholy is melancholy out. Sloth is, is out. back. Sloth is in. Yeah. Pass, that- pass the word. Uh, alert the authorities this is what these are the styles of the year fashion Um, trends then avarice oh sorry avarice is not the same as envy i got that mixed up avarice is the same as greed Uh um so the name just got changed over time so greed always was here but she needed a new name she needed a glow up and we got up indeed rebranding then people decided that pride and vainglory were too similar so they dropped vainglory I mean, vainglory is a more fun word, but I do I see know. why they why they had to get rid of one. I'm also like, if they're so similar, why didn't you get rid of pride? Like, what's the great. situation there? Great point. Obviously, pride was a little more important, no? So mm. pride was also declared the leader of the other sins, which I love that they clearly the derailed. <laughs> In this meeting, they totally derailed. And they were like, of all of, if you were one of these, who would it be? And like, <laughs> it just became a conversation where pride became the main honcho. Yeah. So now we have the following gluttony, sloth, pride, envy, wrath, lust, and greed. Those are what we've got. And indulging in them is called, they're called the deadly sins because indulging in them is deadly to the soul. That's why it is a deadly or mortal sin. Got it. Um, If you do any of these things too much or too often, just things will not work out for you over time you'll lose friends you'll lose enemies i don't know well that's something for an author to figure out write about it (laughs) something for not us (laughs) to figure out so too many too much of any of these sins in your soul will uh be damned to hell that's the nice religious twist to that um and they may not kill you but you will pay for it eventually in in some way interestingly I want to say these are not unforgivable sins. Like they're not even commandments. They're just, these happen to be deadly, which in my, (laughs) in my mind, as someone who did not grow up with any real religious teachings, I always assumed that seven deadly sins should be up there with like the commandments. It's like, you would think so, but I, yeah, apparently they're not even fucking related, but like, but I I feel like the 10 commandments are so much more uh, specific. So it's like, don't, uh, you know cheat on your spouse and it's mm-hmm. like that's a very specific one whereas like these other ones these seven deadly sins are more like behavioral qualities you can have so i feel like yeah that makes maybe sense. that's why you're supposed to like work against them well i guess if it's like don't cheat on your spouse you would be partaking in one of the seven deadly sins right so right. that already get that already happens by breaking one of these ten commandments Right, right. That's true. Um, I think the it sounds like I don't know. It sounds like all a bunch of baloney. So it does sound like baloney. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's some Oscar Mayer shit right there. Not last that I'm I checked. Saying, <laughs> not that I'm saying cheat on your spouse. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like all of this is just religion is silly, folks. It's and an it... eye roll to me. This this whole thing about you're gonna kill your soul. Like, come on. Yeah. Just be a good yeah. person. You know. Mm-hmm. 
Just be nice. I mean, I'm the goodest I'll ever get. And if I'm still going to hell, well, that's just too darn bad. <laughs> then you might as well sloth around a bit and enjoy your life, okay? As the person who takes like three naps a day and eats a hundred <laughs> snacks out of my nosh galosh, look, it's not my fault that maybe I'm one of the dead. I'm I'm playing around with all the deadly sins. Yeah. Um, okay, so the Catholic Church's official stance on the seven deadly sins. They say that only God can see into a human soul. And even if you commit these sins without asking for forgiveness, so if you just happen to be the dirtiest sinner there ever was, apparently, God could still forgive you based on the situation. So even though they're technically the seven deadly sins, they're still the seven very circumstantial sins. I can see that, though. It's like, oh, well, I was uh, being lazy today, but I broke my leg and I'm feeling sad about something okay uh-huh. well then okay. god can forgive you for that but if you're just being an asshole and cheating on your spouse and you don't care because you're a sociopath then maybe god's gonna be like mm. i think that's one of my my personal peeves about you know those who partake often in the bible for sports <laughs> partake, i guess yeah <laughs> um but like i feel like a lot of people like to cherry pick and i feel like these concepts are so vague yep. that anything could be right or wrong based on whoever's just opening their mouth and talking about it that's exactly it it's like well then you know i just say bottom line just like you know make yourself proud yeah (laughs) (laughs) who cares self-care yeah um so anyway now we're going to get into each of the do a little a little a mini deep dive on each of them demons demons well the demons come later so relax but hang on fine it will be interesting. I promise you that. So uh, first to, and this is maybe more of a crash course for people like me who didn't have to uh, learn about this stuff. I mean, granted, like I know this isn't entirely biblical, but I, in my mind, I always associated this with religion. And so if you're someone like me who just always clumped them together and never really learned anything about it because you assumed it was religious, um, this is your crash course. So uh, gluttony is excessive eating and drinking. Uh, I do the excessive eating, you do the drinking, Christine. I mean, so we're we're already ding, in trouble there. Ding dong, here we are. Um, it's eating, and the reason why it's one of the sins. Do you know any? Do you have a no? No okay. clue. So, uh, it's because if you're eating more than one, you could be eating more than needed for health, and so now you're just being unhealthy, which and like, shouldn't be a sin. But okay, should not be a sin. But I think it, the deeper dive is that it has now become. If you're not doing it for your health or to be full, then you are doing it as an act of pleasure. And so what? Heaven forbid. Don't like that part. (laughs) Heaven forbid that you enjoy something in your life. You should be suffering always, but you should never be melancholic about it. Right. (laughs) I'm like, I'm so over it, you know? (laughs) And uh, gluttony is also, this part I could understand, and it may be there over the years, gluttony has just become like a warped translation, but I could see, this being one of the early reasons why gluttony was a no-no it's because it implies you are uh you have a lot of food and or resources um you just have a lot of things that if you're trying to flaunt your wealth you could be doing it to uh you could be buying expensive things that aren't necessary when you could be buying cheaper options and leave some for others so it's sort of like you're being too lavish and like not too lavish not spreading the wealth yes right okay that you're not helping others who probably need what so you are now. So much hypocrisy down o- there. But, over, I know. But but yeah, I get I get what you're saying. Like that at least makes some more logical sense. So yeah, it, it could probably be better translated to in a 
an unnecessary abundance that you're not sharing with others. Right. Um, and that I can understand it, you know, to a yeah. degree. Next one is lust, uh, which is, uh, I'm saying obviously, but maybe you don't know. Lust is the intense yearning for something, which is usually sexual, but can really be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason why this is a big no-no is because it distracts from gross, righteous desires like serving God. Oh, they. Um, and some groups, apparently, this is beyond me, some groups have taught that if you try to cool off your lust whatever that means or like cool your loins (laughs) refocus your energy you can then use that energy to help others which like ooh, i I don't want that energy (laughs) keep it away from me if you're redirecting your sexual desire your unfulfilled sexual desires into giving me a hand i don't want it can you imagine if someone's like oh i need help bringing these groceries in and then someone just comes running across the street and they're like well i'm really horny i I'm can't so horny. wait to help you <laughs> i'm so horny wait. but but god told me i have to do this instead okay well no thanks i'm fine <sighs> anyway that's the the suffering in that alone should be its own type of sin but whatever so there's lust and then there's sloth which is excessive laziness something i regularly deal with same um and basically it means if you, you should be serving God, but you are in the middle of serving yourself. And if you're resting, then you're not serving. Okay. I mean, I think a lot of us can have, have been working very hard to undo that exact thought of that exact mm-hmm. uh, construct that we've been ingrained with. Like yeah, resting is no good. It's like, well, yeah. you know, yeah. I imagine it also goes hand in hand with gluttony or something where like you're or not gluttony, um, whichever one it's like, oh, well, you're uh, yeah, gluttony because it becomes an act of pleasure because you could add that into. Right. Like if you want to nap or you lounge around and now you're just being lazy and you just want to like, yeah, take all the time in the world instead of serving God. OK, who do you think you are? Well, on top of you, if you're not if you're resting, you're not being helpful to god if you are excessively lazy you are wasting away whatever talents god gave you which is like beyond disrespectful for not appreciating the skills he gave you when he could have given them to someone else how will capitalism thrive i mean (laughs) sorry i don't know i'm i'm on one today you're you're sending me into a tizzy speaking of tizzies well so the longest uh deep dive i have for you is on envy (gasps) so it was defined uh in medieval times as quote sorrow at well-being joy at harm which feels a little like schadenfreude or something to me yeah 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 um but so envy could be over someone's things relationships health concepts anything just if you're jealous at all and if you envy what someone else has the problem with it is that you'll eventually start to pray for their downfall so they don't have it anymore or so that you can have it and that is ungodly that is I can see why. Yeah, it's unkind too. I can see why. Why? I mean, you know, just in a general sense, I can see why. Why that one would be, you know, frowned upon. I think it's human nature, obviously, but I guess all of these are. But yeah, I can see why. You know, you don't want to get to a point where you're wishing ill will toward other people. You know, I get that. I get that. I get it. I get these on a on a human level that has yeah. nothing to do, do with like serving God. Exactly. Exactly. I get like, all right, if you have lust, you know, check yourself, make sure this is like Don't a wanted just, like, lust. Blindly follow it. Right. 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 Yeah. Exactly. So beyond the seven deadly sins, envy pops up in a lot of cultures as 
a supernatural force of its own. It doesn't, it, Whoa. see, which is weird to me that pride is considered the leader when envy can break off in all sorts of religions. It sounds like envy's like the secret underdog, like the, the, the secret she's leader. She's a who's, bad bitch. She's, she's letting pride like do the, the fronting. And meanwhile, <laughs> she's in the back, like holding the whole thing together, you know? She also lets pride think, like she lets pride be prideful and think that she's in charge. Mm-hmm. But Envy's like, you're a fucking pawn in my game. That's you... right. You don't mm-hmm. even know. <laughs> <laughs> and so Envy pops up all over the place. And in one of those uh, ways is the evil eye. And so mm. uh, if you would like a deep dive with very, very, very well done sources, very, very well done uh, research team over at Parkast, please go check out our rituals episode um, <laughs> on the evil eye, which is uh, episode 23. I um, loved I don't, that episode. I don't think I've covered it on here before. We definitely can mm-hmm. in the future, but I can tell you rituals was very well researched i am very confident in all the information that we yeah. uh regurgitated to you via script and uh go check it out so anyway the evil eye just to give you a quick summation um the evil eye is part of many cultural and religious lores so in judaism and for muslim people it's been in there it's in it even places it's just been in greece egypt morocco romania Italy, Turkey, Israel, Slovakia, Iran. It just kind of goes on and on that the evil eye is somewhere or at least known in some capacity. Um, And the concept of the evil eye is when you have good fortune, jealous people can curse you out or not curse you out, curse you slash uh, it could be unintentional. It can be intentional, but just by looking at you with envy, they're cursing you. Um. And it leads to an evil eye where just the look alone is causing is damaging your, right. your downfall. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this is why a lot of cultures use special protections against the evil eye and envy in general. So a lot of people will hang amulets, especially in areas that they want protection. Um, and around the world, envy is this powerful concept. And even back in um, Syria in 3500 BC, uh, there are carvings with protective like symbols that are all meant to keep envy away so wow. um and just note as we're saying this they're like so evil eyes they're also called ocular amulets right. um i'm giving quotes because i don't use that phrase a lot i don't know if anyone else has ever heard that before but <laughs> ocular amulets and this is where i do a little spiel join me won't you christine where well, I s- you start i'll stand on the sidelines till i know what the spiel's about uh where it's just a sidebar where i just wanted to say that a lot of people out there will um purchase and wear a lot of ocular amulets as a fashion trend mm. or a statement piece and uh some say that the evil eye like transcends culture and religious boundaries and anyone can wear it. And maybe that's true. I would personally suggest that you learn a little bit about it before you're just kind of wearing it. Even then it might have some really strong, you know, uh, affiliations for some people. Um, the BBC even said it may be worth considering its meaning beyond a mere trinket or fashion statement. The evil eye is a remnant from the very dawn of civilization, harking back to some of humanity's most enduring and profound beliefs. To wear an amulet flippantly without such knowledge might not only render its protective abilities useless, but incur an even more potent curse. 
Whoa, okay. I didn't see it ending that way, but apparently the BBC is warning Cursed. you of curses. I'm warning you about appropriation, but yeah, you know, you know, you whichever pick and choose, whichever one kind of you know makes you aware faster. Read into right. that one. You know, but, I love evil eye. I can't. I can't. I can't. Oh my god, iconography. Um, and you know, in uh, I can see both sides. I mean, you know, when I went to Greece. They sell so many of just like evil eye on everything and in Turkey too. Um, and it's just, you know, it's a really cool design. And I think um, if you know, especially if you got it from somewhere where you're like, oh, this has a meaning to me. I think it's, I mean, again, it's not really my place to say, I suppose. But, um, you know, I bought several as like gifts for people when I was there. So I don't know. I feel like it's mm. one of those things where it's it's so often seen in, in my face that I don't even realize that maybe it's something I should be paying attention to or read more on. But it's almost like I, I kind of clump it in nowadays with even like crystals because a lot of people just have crystals or want to wear crystals. But like you got to be wary of like, well, how was had this crystal come about? Was it in a, an ethical way? You know, I mm-hmm. just... I feel like just everything comes with a caveat now. Not that that's bad, but might as well throw this on the list of things to double check before, uh, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see just, that. There's there's nothing wrong with being well read about things that you buy and wear. So that's true. Uh, so anyway, that is envy, and now we're going to go on to greed, which very much goes hand in hand with envy because it also focuses on material worth. Um, oh. so- and so it also goes hand in hand with gluttony, by the way, because it's about wanting unlimited resources and okay. even when you already have enough. So the only thing I really have to say about greed is it happens to be like envy and gluttony combined, in which case I feel like it's not really needed. I feel like there could just be six deadly sins here. Like if envy plus gluttony equals greed then like why is greed one of these options here you know also six goes into six 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 i kind of like the six but but yeah what are you gonna do we gotta we gotta call a whole council and it's a whole thing you know you said what are you gonna do not a damn thing (laughs) christine and that's called sloth (laughs) (laughs) okay so the other one is wrath or anger and it's intense anger at someone that uh, ultimately becomes hatred and uh, Christianity tells people to put aside their anger and their grudges and leave it to Jesus, leave it to God. And okay. the, Bi- <laughs> the Bible even says, leave your anger to the wrath of God. Vengeance is mine. And I guess this is a way to teach you like patience. Whoa, vengeance and- is mine. Jeez. I guess that means like God's got it under control. It's like, well, that's great. But also I don't want that. I want it in my control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I guess it's to teach like self-control and patience and forgiveness and leave it to God and all that. Um, it teaches faith, really, I suppose. Yeah. And the catechism says, if anger reaches the point of a deliberate desire to kill or seriously wound a neighbor, it is gravely against charity. It is a mortal sin. Whoa. Mm. Wrath has also been interpreted as not just anger and hatred towards other people, but anger and hatred towards yourself. So mm. uh, just like how it's wrong to hate your neighbor who God created. And so if you hate him, you are hating something of God's image. How dare you? It's also wrong to hate yourself who God also made. And this could be how 
uh, dying by suicide is considered a cardinal sin. Uh, okay. okay. Because you are, you know, you're taking God's control out of his hands or something. What? Okay. No, or something. <laughs> or something like you, you get it. You get it I, enough. I get it. So then the final one is the ruler of the girlies, Pride. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's really envy, but Pride thinks she knows what's going on Wink. here. So, uh, so pride is the overindulgence, which sounds like gluttony again to me, folks. Okay. The overindulgence in your own self-image. Mm. Okay. Uh, while ignoring others. Okay. So apparently you can love on yourself as long as you also love on others the same amount. But pride assumes that you only like yourself and nobody else that much. Um, and pride apparently never worries if it's hurting other people, how it's hurting other people. It's just solely focused on yourself and not being of the people. So there is a professor named Professor Clark at St. Patrick's Seminary and University who said that pride makes people take credit for God's work, which. Okay, there's that. Okay. okay. Information. Uh, the older sin her big sis who like ran off and maybe deconstructed her name's vainglory and vainglory is what makes us seek human acclaim. So it's very similar to pride where pride is yours all about yourself, but vainglory is you are, you're doing it for you others. Want, like, or, recognition. Yes. Got it. Which, uh, uh, apparently a modern version of that would be like, constantly checking your phone to see if someone texted you or checking your social media to see if you got another follower. Oh, like the um, validate external validation, basically. Mm -hmm. okay. Exactly. I think pride is like, I can be the only one validating myself and that's fine. But like vain yeah. glory is others need to be there. Um, so luckily, so that's first of all, those are the seven deadly sins. But if you want to counteract them, there are seven holy virtues. Okay. Now we're talking. Uh, these also come from the fourth century. Interesting, but they come from a poem by, I hope I'm saying it right. Well, oh, he's not around to tell me, uh, or someone will be though. <laughs> Somebody will. Aurelius or Aurelius, Aurelius Clemens Prudentius. Yeah. Aurelius. Okay. Uh, like Marcus Aurelius. Sure. Okay. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. My brain just absolutely never retained whatever you just said. Um, okay. Uh, so it comes from a fourth century poem by him where the saying patience is a virtue comes from. Oh, I don't have that, by the way. No, not patience, even a little like, bit. I'm, I'm the one I'm like, the. that's my biggest personality flaw, I think. Is it? Interesting. It's one of mine. Anyway, I, I know that it's it's something that I really struggle with. <laughs> And that people I know really struggle with my impatience. <laughs> Interesting. Of of the seven deadly sins, which one do you think is the one that you suffer from the most? Oh, that's a great question, Em. And I was going to ask you, but I didn't even think about my own answer. Um, <laughs> maybe uh, pride, I but not in like a way of like being vain, just like needing like validation. I don't know. What about you? I'm, let me think for a minute. Well, I would say if we're counting old ones, I would say I I definitely have vain glory under yeah. my belt. It, not for like checking how many followers I have, but as someone who, from my own childhood trauma, and now I'm a people pleaser because I crave acknowledgement right, and right. recognition. 
I, I guess that, that that would be mine too, but and not and again not in a way of like I think I'm all that, but just like needing the external validation. <laughs> like, but it's like, do you like me? Can you just yeah, tell me tell you, like, me you me? like me? Um, I think probably sloth is my biggest one. Yeah, that's a that's a big one, and I think um a lot of people probably think they have that when in reality we're probably just burnt out. But <laughs> I think it's burnout. I think it's like my ADHD, like the the motivation lack or lack thereof yeah uh i think i'm good on almost all the other ones like i uh maybe some gluttony greed i don't really have wrath i don't really have pride i think i'm all right what about envy I have bouts of envy, but they That's go away pretty quick same like i i catch myself sometimes feeling that way and then i'm like yeah, That's I not think nice. <laughs> I think in the era of like I don't know it, it, X insert insert thing here supporting insert thing here like I think we try very hard to like be open minded of like supporting you know wanting to make a a unit and and be helpful and and bring each other up and so I think a lot of times that I personally have ever felt envy I it's very easy for me to stop and say you're being jealous and they're doing a really good thing and you're really proud of them. Yeah, you just like, wish that cute. you were matching them. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of like look at yourself for a minute and be like, okay, this is like an, an internal problem to, to address. Yeah, exactly. But I would agree that um, I, I'm, I'm able to talk myself out of it. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, lust, I don't totally have a problem with. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I think, I think sloth. I think sloth. Mm-hmm. um and you say pride is yours i think so i think so so well, everyone's gonna write in and be like nope that's not yours <laughs> yours is like, x y and z is being a piece of shit a deadly sin because that's the one you've got <laughs> um okay so here are the well let me talk about the seven holy virtues for a second uh bibleinfo.com first time i've ever <laughs> desperately needed that website they call the seven holy virtues a cure to the seven deadly sins okay a tincture if you will a tincture a bomb as allison might desperately say a cure that just might slip itself onto my uh Mm -hmm. apothecary cabinet so for envy do you know you actually said it earlier i don't know if you remember that but do you know what the cure for envy would be oh um... because i described envy earlier and you went oh well that's it's just not blank nice Kind, kind, yeah, kind. yeah. So kindness is—it's pretty much this is like opposite day. Like, what's the word that means not envy? Kindness. Um, oh, cool. For gluttony, do you know what cures gluttony? Uh oh. Uh, um, what do you call it? Oh my God, what is wrong with me? Not if determination. You s- like, um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If you say, it, I'm gonna be so impressed. Uh, not to like feed into your pride, but. <laughs> um uh willpower maybe pretty much it's temperance temperance oh interesting um and then what cures greed is charity okay it also says or love so you know if you've got one of them you're fine <laughs> love. uh gross guess what cures lust the abstinence chastity yeah oh, same diff or self-control all right yikes uh pride is cured by humility and then slothfulness is cured by diligence or zeal okay 
Well, apparently I got no zeal to me. No, I certainly don't either. And then wrath is the last one, and patience is a virtue. So oh, patience cures maybe wrath. That's, so maybe that's my opposite, wrath. But do you do you have a quick temper? I I did. I ha- I used to. I've really worked on it. So maybe that's my like natural uh my natural one, and I just have have overridden it. Your God given sin. <laughs> my God given ang. My God given wrath. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Mm-hmm. Fun side note, if you noticed, a lot of those virtues are popular names for daughters. Uh, Temperance. Ooh. Charity, patience, chastity. Oh, my so, God. So really, we need a whole list now of children named sins. So if you've got a kid out there named, I don't know. Sloth. A- avarice. <laughs> Sloth. Sloth is a great name. I, uh, maybe for your dog, but maybe for your sloth or whatever. <laughs> So historically, the seven sins were sometimes affiliated. Here's here's the part that you've been waiting for, Christine. Okay. Historically, the seven sins have been affiliated also with the seven planets of the time. Oh. Or the seven luminaries. So the known planets or celestial bodies of the time were the moon, the sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and then us, Earth. Okay, that's it. That's all they knew. That's all I knew. Got it. And at the time, they thought Earth was at the center of them and being affected by all the planets around it. Okay. Um, theologists then thought that planets must be ruled by God because everything's ruled by God. So uh, God must have, if we were being influenced by the planets around us, that was God's will. That was God's doing. And we are being sent good energy from God through these planets. He's using these planets as a work, I suppose, and sending us good energy or good influence through the, through the planets. It's like old timey astrology. Yeah. Something like that. But religious themed. Okay. Yes, it's got it a, have a good ring to it, but <laughs> certainly a, a religious theme to the planets, which I never thought I'd say. But somewhere Neil deGrasse Tyson's like running off a cliff. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so God is able to influence the planets in a good way. Demons, however, mm-hmm. they could not control planets uh, and make them do things that were evil, but they could potentially intercept God's good energy from the planets. Oh, boy. And once they intercepted, the demons could morph that good energy into bad energy before it reached God's people on Earth. (sighs) Okay. So either way, good or bad energy is coming from the sky. I suppose Mercury in retrograde is still like Lucifer himself. (laughs) Um. I can so, confirm that that's true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so even further, one theologist thought that demons could not. So the theory is that, oh, well, they can't make planets bad. Like God can make planets do good things, but they can at least morph the energy on its way to earth. But there was one theologist who thought, no, no, demons can manipulate planets. And on top of that, uh, they can take form as planets demons can turn into planets take cool and by morphing into planets i don't know if they're like making the real ones disappear and they're showing up as like saturn or maybe saturn never existed and they're actually demons or i don't know how it totally works but basically sometimes the planets are demons themselves and uh (laughs) 
they're the reason they would do that is because they're tricking people who would be worshiping God and th- and praising the planets and all this that they would accidentally be worshiping demons oh, disguised tricked, as planets. Yeah. And this is like I feel like I'm talking to someone who's high and also a conspiracy theorist and also like kind of maybe slurring their words or something like this none of this feels logical i'm aware because <laughs> i'm like no no the demons turn into planets and then you worship them it the feels part like that you the part that you don't get is that <laughs> jupiter is a demon and now you're worshiping yeah him. <laughs> surprise what? this is actually q and on part four of... oh my god it sounds like it <laughs> so and hillary uh... clinton is <laughs> neptune or something (laughs) (laughs) uh and so basically these demons can trick you into accidentally worshiping them by if you're like looking at the stars and and you know all that good stuff yeah so christians also use this thinking when talking about religions for with multiple gods so if you were someone who believed in multiple gods sometimes those gods were associated with planets and moons so christians would try to warn these people that if you're Mm -hmm. worshiping planets and moons thinking they're your gods uh you might actually be praising demons (sighs) okay so once again they are just dipping their little toes in places no one invited them correct um and even further, when talking about the concept of moon phases and how they, they could affect our minds, like, you know, the, the tides and the planets and everything affect our bodies, which if you're into astrology, people still, you know, follow that sure. mindset. Um, but just even further with this whole, like, QAnon level belief system, um, if you think that demons are actually planets, if you believe that, like, moon phases and all that are affecting your your system demons could be masquerading as planets especially during moon phases when you are most susceptible um because apparently on uh during moon phases your brain is the most moist ew aka most susceptible to their will or their energy world i don't even know where this logic has taken us but it's not it's not (laughs) a sane path that's for sure nowhere good so in this thinking, specific demons became associated with specific planets that they would alter during moon phases, and they could influence you the most during those times. Whoa. Um, and soon, because there were seven demons who got associated with seven planets, the seven deadly sins just kind of tagged along, oh. and now each planet had a different sin and demon. Oh my god. So various demons were affiliated specifically with Mars and Saturn. I don't know. I don't know why those were the big two and they could influence planets to confuse and tempt us to sin. Um, And in the 16th century, uh, this guy named Peter Binsfield, who was a bishop and a theologian, he assigned a demon uh, to each sin because he was like, well, if there are demons assigned to the planets and we could assign the yeah. sins to planets we should assign sense. the sins to the demons so this peter binsfield guy in the 16th century said okay we are going to assign a demon to each sin and those demons <laughs> became the seven princes of hell oh here we go so now i would like to tell you the demons and their associated sin hell yeah would you like to guess oh sure and also, let's remember that TikTok sound that went around for a while. Of, yes, Santa yes, yes. Lucifer, <laughs> Bam, or something Beelzebub. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So use that however you need, and you'll at least have six of the seven. 
Oh, I don't know any of them. I know Beelzebub, Lucifer, and the one you said. That's all. Asmodeus. Oh my God. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't so know. Uh, Asmodeus is Asmodeus. <laughs> is lust. Okay. Santanus. Sexy, by yeah. the way. <laughs> I get it. I'm sure... I wish I knew the song so we could do it in order. Asmodeus is lust. Santanus is wrath. Beelzebub is gluttony. Uh, okay. Then there's Leviathan, which is envy. Mammon, which is uh, greed. Belphegor, which I'm guessing is the same as like Belphazar or something. That's Belphazar. Okay. Belphegor okay. is sloth. And then Lucifer, who I, uh, I, for some reason, Lucifer is number one in my mind, which makes sense because he's associated with pride, the number one yep. sin. Fallen angel. Um, interesting. I always think Satan and Lucifer are the same person. Mm-mm. I always do, though. I know it's not right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, it's not right. I can't help it. So anyway, Peter was a well-known witch hunter and the guy who created the system and named everyone. He was a well-known witch hunter in the 1500s. So, of course, demons were like fresh on his little brain. (laughs) And Satan and Beelzebub were, at the time, uh, getting very popular because in the 1500s, where Peter was, he was in Germany. In the 1500s, Europe, uh, this was when witch hunts began erupting, and Satan and Beelzebub were two of the main demons often uh, attached to witchcraft and unholy Sabbaths. Oh. So, and then, what did he, so that would be gluttony and Satan was wrath. I don't know if there was a meaning to that. But because he was probably hearing those two names all the time, he was very quick to drag them into his yeah. new little system. Um. Oh, I think there is a reason to it, actually, because I literally fucking wrote it down. Okay, so could be why... Sorry, I did these notes at two in the morning. Um, <laughs> so gluttony and wrath are Satan and Beelzebub. And okay. uh, they played roles in witch accusations because witches were often angry at someone in town. So, but, like, there was always like, he, they were after a man or they were after somebody or they hated mm. the town or they wanted to curse somebody. So it makes sense why wrath was one of the main sins associated oh. with witchcraft. And then Sabbaths often involved excessive feasts and uh, that oh, would be gluttony. Oh, that makes sense. So it would make sense that those two sins are the witchcraft sins and yeah. he would name them after the witchcraft demons that keep getting sure, mentioned. why not? Anyway, by the way, speaking of Sabbaths, uh, they were excessive feasts, often including flesh and blood. It was like the perversion of the Eucharist. But this is a note to say that witches just I have wanted to cover witchcraft in general um, as its own episode. Um, And really, the topic I wanted to do was like misconceptions about witchcraft and like then i want to debunk all of it like why do witches wear yeah. a hat why do witches wear have a broom and then i wanted to debunk the historical traces of it but a lot of it was a lot of roots of all of those um stereotypes were actually rooted in anti-semitism right and i thought the episode maybe if people still think it's an important episode for me to do i am open to doing it but i thought more like oh that sounds like that i wanted that episode to be really fun and it turned into like a mega bummer yeah um so i just i tabled it but if anyone is interested i can still definitely cover it still important information um 
But witches indulging in these feasts of flesh and blood is one of those things that comes from blood libel, which was used to persecute Jewish people. Mm -hmm. Um, So just wanted to, I don't know, give that a shout out that if you're hearing the, the, if you're hearing, (laughs) what up, if you're hearing like, you know, the story, like even in Hocus Pocus or any of like the movies that we watch, like witches, like come and eat little children. Right. It is all rooted in some pretty dark shit. Yeah. Um, so just wanted to mention it while it was like somewhat That's an relevant. interesting point. Yeah. I think it's definitely a good thing to mention. So anyway, to get back to the seven sins, they pop up a lot in literature, like the Canterbury Tales, which was um, my 10th grade nemesis. I hated Same. the Canterbury Tales. It was. It also came up in the Divine Comedy, which is a poem, or it's a trilogy from 1321. Um, and part of the Divine Comedy is Dante's Inferno, which I covered the Circles of Hell again in episode 65. Um, I would like to, since it was episode 65, I'm thinking about doing a redo on that because oh. really I should, I would like to do one a three-parter of the of Dante's Inferno where there was the Inferno, the Purgatory and the Paradise or something and it was I would like to just cover the Divine Comedy in general cuz I'm sure that would be super interesting to hear it all back to back. But um those are two of the main places where you'll hear about the seven deadly sins and there is a I mean I was just going to say there's a a bunch of other references that that mention it but the, those are the two main ones canterbury tales and the divine comedy but anyway that's the seven deadly sins whoa the what, a what a trip dude <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't talk about demons more but like you know me too I, but you know i always feel that way it doesn't matter how much you talk about them i'd still like to talk about them more well here's uh another thing is i wanted to do more of a deep dive on why those seven demons were selected um as like you know the owner of that certain sin or whatever um but i was like i don't want to burn out material and like i could do like i could do a whole episode on each of those demons so and for the ones like lucifer and satan i'm sure i I would like love for you to do just a lucifer episode i mean come on that's that's gonna be a lot to take oh, in. Oh, did you hear that? Geo started barking when I said Lucifer <laughs> episode. He's like, he's, "That's me." He's singing the song, song to Lucifer, Lucifer. Yeah. Lucifer. That's him. Um, but uh, yeah, so eventually, I would like to cover each of the demons on their own. So I'm just kind of giving you like a little taste of them today. Oh, so. like a, a taste of frenzy, you know? Yeah, a touch of frenzy. A touch of frenzy. A Just tincture a of frenzy. Tincture. That was what I was trying to think of. Anyway, that's uh, The Seven Deadly Sons. Good job, Em. Thank you. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. I am so thrilled that we are working with Fast Growing Trees. I spent about 
an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure, you know, it'll work in your garden. Um, they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac. And so I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, um, I have uh, a doozy for you today. This is the story of Alice and Gerald Uden. Uden. All and right. I'm not going to tell you anymore because I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. I don't know a single thing. So even uh, if you spoiled something, what? Oh, I, I didn't either until I, oh, I thought oh. you were still talking. I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> you, you. Thank you. You stopped mid-sentence, so I wanted to let you, you know, continue. You made a, you made a face like, oh, if I say one thing, you'll just know everything. And I, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, so... Nope. I just was saying I also didn't know about this before, but uh, so this will probably be new to a lot of us. The story begins in 1976 when 37-year-old Alice Prunty. Okay, so you might, I don't know if you'll need the gargoyles, but it might be helpful just to like keep them I'm straight. Because there are a lot of like partners that change, like people, you know, change relationships and that kind of thing. I'm on it. They are all sitting here looking pretty. We're ready. First. First up is Alice. She's 37 years old, and her name's Alice Prunty. She was divorced three times, and she had five children. And in the 70s, as you can imagine, this was a hard position to be in, um, with divorce not being so common, um, and being a single parent not being as common, or, or at least not as um, acceptable in society. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she was having a hard time, so she decided to move to a new state where she could have a clean slate, a fresh start, and the gossip, the reputation wouldn't follow her there. Got it. 
So she decided to move uh, and she took her kids with her. She thought maybe we could, you know, start fresh, get a comfortable life going for the five kids. Um, and she moved to Wyoming, which I can imagine being, uh, you know, a, a state where you could probably start fresh, especially in the 70s. So she moves to Wyoming and she moves next door to this guy named Gerald Uden. Okay. And Gerald is immediately taken with taken by Alice, like just so uh, enthralled by her. Mm. And uh, he himself was also three times divorced. So they had that in common. Hey, and he had two sons in his previous marriage to a woman named Virginia. So okay. now we've got Gerald and his ex is Virginia. And Virginia? the t- two kids are his two kids are named Richard and Reagan. Hang on, I'm getting the others out. Hang on. Okay, Richard and Reagan. They're the two little boys that he had from a previous marriage. And uh, Gerald didn't have them by birth. They're not, Richard and Reagan weren't his children by birth, but he had adopted them when he was married to their mother, Virginia. So Gerald had once been deeply in love with Virginia, kind of the way he's deeply in love now with Alice. Mm -hmm. And back when he was in love with Virginia, um, you know, he saw her as a tough woman, just like Alice. Uh, she liked guns and target shooting, which was something he was passionate about. And he fell in love with her outdoorsy sort of like Wild West spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, he loved having the boys around to teach them about shooting, fishing, camping. Um, and he and the boys would rehabilitate orphan ducklings. <laughs> oh, shut up. That's so cute. And uh, they would eat dinner as a family every night. And he basically fell as in love with having sons as he did with Virginia herself. Within three months of meeting, they were engaged. But first, Virginia wanted Gerald to adopt her sons so that she could be allegedly, is what she said, fully independent from their father. And this Mm. way, if he adopted them as his own kids, then she wouldn't have to be associated with their father anymore. And so he was thrilled. He signed the adoption paperwork as soon as the lawyers gave gave it to him. Uh, but pretty seemingly, uh, it seemed random. It seemed very sudden. Virginia just up and left. Oh. She wanted a divorce from Gerald, and he said he couldn't imagine why. Um, everything seemed to be going well. She took a mysterious trip to Philadelphia with the two boys, And when they returned, they all seemed deeply unhappy. Mm. So Gerald starts wondering, like, what happened in Philly? Like, was there another man in the picture? And she was unhappy now with their home life. Um, But, of course, he couldn't stop her. So she left and officially divided their things and moved away with the kids. And he agreed to pay child support for the boys. But quietly, he was wondering, maybe this was just a scheme to get a more reliable man on the hook for child support. Now he's the the legal father of these children. So now he owes child support. Maybe that was the whole plot all along. Like he's trying to get to the bottom of it. Um, and at this point he's paying nearly double what her ex had been paying. Gotcha. But also that seemed kind of far-fetched. Like what a wild plan to concoct and, you know, get the children married. It just seemed like also a little far-fetched. So he wasn't sure. But that's that's where they left things. Gerald, for what it's worth, saw the boys whenever he could, but it never really felt the same. So when Alice stepped into the picture and moved in next door with her children, Gerald was like, oh, my gosh, finally, I get another chance to be a provider, a father, a husband. 
and uh, he was excited to start anew with sure. Alice. They met because Alice needed electrical work done on her new trailer, and the trailer park manager introduced Gerald as their local handyman. And pretty immediately, Gerald saved the day. Alice was pretty intrigued by him, and the two of them started a romance. Mm. There was something to be said for their history. Um, they both had been divorced three times. They both had kind of tumultuous past relationships, and so they felt they could understand and confide in one another in the ways that, you know, other people just wouldn't understand. Uh, as for Alice's previous husband, so she had one, the first husband was a cop in Illinois, and her second husband was a World War II veteran who had died of alcoholism-related complications. He left behind a lot of debt, and so the widows and orphans pension for World War II vet families wasn't enough to support Alice and the kids, so she basically was working as anything she could, a bartender, a nurse, a bus driver, just trying to pay the bills. And she she essentially had created this life where she was the type of woman who would do anything for her family, and Gerald was just smitten with this, with her, with uh, her family. And within five months of meeting, they were married. And pretty soon after that, they bought a new farm together where Alice could really start fresh uh, and start a new life. Eventually, Alice told Gerald about her third husband. This guy's name was Ron, and he was a Vietnam veteran who had been discharged from the Army for mental health issues. And Alice actually had met him uh, working as a nurse in a psychiatric ward. And mm. he was her patient. Mm -hmm. So she said she knew it was wrong, but she ran off with him. Uh, they had this like whirlwind romance. They got married. And of course, as many of these too good to be true stories turn out, it uh, was too good to be true. And pretty quickly he began physically abusing her. Uh, he told her he had killed children in Vietnam <gasps> and he oh my... would do the same to her. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Holy and, shit. you know, as we know now, there was a whole lot of uh, undiagnosed, untreated PTSD going on with mm -hmm. a lot of these veterans. And um, that doesn't obviously excuse that. And, you know, killing children is a war crime. So, you know, that's besides the point. But, you know, just putting context here. So Gerald was happy that she confided in him and she was he was even more happy that she had fled this abusive relationship and moved across the country, joined him, found finally her her true love. Eventually, Alice's adoptive parents, Sam and Vivian Barber, moved a trailer onto the Uden's farm and they were all one big happy family. Uh, but there were two people conspicuously missing from this arrangement. Uh -oh. And those people were the little boys. They mm. were Richard and Reagan were not uh, welcome uh, okay. on the property. So Gerald had unrestricted rights to see the boys and he wanted to see them. But Alice wasn't on board with this. She was like, they're not really your children. They're not. Yikes. They're not you know, part of this family. Um, they belong to your ex, like get them out of here. Essentially. She acted strange when the kids were around and she pressured Gerald to cut his visits with the boys shorter and shorter. And that along with Virginia's kind of, uh, Virginia was the ex, the mother of the boys, her kind of job hopping and unreliable housing meant Gerald rarely saw his sons. If he, this is 
Big yikes. If he ran into them in public with Alice, he would pretend not to know them. Oh His my God. And they were kids. And he real and like, not that this matters, like he should, as their father should be doing it either way, but he also really loved them. Like it sounded like you gave, like you were like mentioning he, that he like really is so bonded with these kids. Yes, exactly. And now Oof. he's just totally 180 and like pretending he doesn't know who they are. I mean, it, it's terrible. So Virginia, the mom of the boys, uh, his ex, moved the boys back to Pennsylvania for the t- for a time, but they got sick pretty often, and there was always some mysterious issue with Gerald's insurance anytime they needed it. And at this point, Alice is getting pissed off at Virginia, the ex, and is is saying, like, she's interfering in our lives. And so she starts sending these aggressive letters uh, about the insurance, asking for more and the letters that were asking for more child support, she starts writing back these like aggressive, cruel letters to mm. Virginia. She says, quote, if you get the idea that I don't like you, you're very correct. I have <gasps> no use for any woman that does not have the mind, guts, and the backbone to stand on her own two feet and take care of herself and her kids by herself without raping some poor man's pocket. <gasps> any woman that can't do that is a worthless piece of garbage. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't like her currently. Yeah, yeah it's okay. bad news. She it, goes, does it change? Well, I mean, I don't care who wrote that. It's not nice. <laughs> I don't no, want to no, be no. around. No, I mean, like, do I, do I eventually like this person or am I allowed to just, like, really judge well i don't know i mean do you like i i don't like someone who talks like that but i don't i don't know i i didn't i know if we were gonna find out like she wrote that by you think force or something i'm giving no spoilers okay okay uh so she writes this nasty no she wrote these okay okay that's what i needed she wrote them she didn't need wasn't forced into writing them um so it went on like that calling virginia quote worthless trash and a con artist And she said, Virginia must have really worked to entrap Gerald, who apparently, quote, doesn't even like kids, which like, Mm. that's not true. But anyway, the letter finally ended with Alice referencing a recent power plant crisis near where Virginia lived. And she said, quote, I was hoping the power plant would explode and take you with it. Holy shit. Really a shame it didn't. So (gasps) like bullying to the nth degree uh, via letter. True, but like also the dumbest way to do it because now we have everything on fire. It's all on paper. It's just so stupid, okay? So Virginia's reply letter to that is lost, but in the next letter that Alice sent back to Virginia, she did take some of it back. So she kind of softened and she said, Gerald never said he didn't like kids. She just assumed he didn't because he never visited the boys, which is like, isn't that your fault? But whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, she also asked him and found out that he avoided his sons because he thought Alice wanted him to. So she kind of admitted to that saying, like, I know I've gotten in the way, but she still berated Virginia as a mother, still called her a leech, among other things, mm. which is like, OK, so you you step back on some things. But and then you're like, but anyway, you're still a leech. So that part's yeah. true. It's like, this person's got a case of wrath, I think. <laughs> a I'm case just of wrath on her hands. So court documents showed that Gerald was faithfully paying his child support, but uh, but the problem was Virginia was failing to provide good forwarding addresses wherever she moved, so she didn't get all of the checks. So there was a little bit of issue with, like, the mail getting to her, the checks getting to her. 
1980, she hauled the boys, Richard, aged 11, and uh, Reagan, aged 9, back to Wyoming to be closer to their dad and to clear up any further child support payment issues. And so they're finally, like, moving back to the area. She wants them to be closer in proximity-wise and relationship-wise. And she wants to make sure that these child support payments are coming through without any hiccups. So she moves back to Wyoming. Only a few months later, however, Virginia and both boys were reported missing by her mother. Oh, God. Okay. So we're going (sighs) to September 13th, 1980. Uh... This is shortly before, shortly after she moved to Wyoming with the boys and uh, Virginia's mother says they're gone. I don't know where they are. So when they questioned Gerald, he told the sheriff that Virginia was supposed to meet him with both kids so they could go on a bird hunting trip, but they never showed. And the report, like I said, had come in from Virginia's mother, whose name was Claire. And she pretty immediately said, I think Gerald, her ex, had something to do with this. I mm. think I think he had, has something to do with the reason they've disappeared. So investigators thought at first, uh, you know, he was acting a little bit... Uh, a little bit suspicious, mostly because when uh, he found out that Claire, Virginia's mother, was the one who was kind of pointing fingers of suspicion at him, he got really agitated and mad um, and really upset. And he told them they had no case, which seemed like a weird thing to say about his own sons being missing, but whatever. So he says uh, that you have no case. You know, I have I have nothing to do with this. And uh, essentially... He, they couldn't find anything. They couldn't find anything on him whatsoever. They couldn't find any, uh, any leads to arrest him. Um, Hmm. they questioned him and had to let him go. Eight days after Virginia's disappearance, her mom got a letter in the mail that said, mom, sorry, I have worried you. I am in trouble. The boys are okay. Cover for me. Say I am in California. We'll write when I can. Virginia. This girl loves... Oh, wait, that was Alice who was writing letters last time. I was going to say, man, this girl loves to just write down all of the... All proof on paper, huh? No. So this letter came to Virginia's mom, and it was signed Virginia, her daughter. But this is a red flag because apparently Virginia, when she wrote to her mom, always signed her letters Jin, G-I-N. Hmm. And she had sent hundreds of letters to her mother, had never once written out Virginia. So her mother was like, this is suspicious. This isn't my daughter. She also had apparently uh, fled to California. This is the, the story where she had no connections with $5 of gas in her car and had left, as her mother found out, $1,000 back home in a jar. And what? her mom was like, she wouldn't have left $1,000 of cash if she took the boys and moved somewhere. So I know that's yeah. not the case. Yeah. Virginia had also never been in any kind of serious trouble. Um, and so when she turned this letter into police, uh, it led nowhere because, of course, it was fake. Then another letter came, also forged. Uh, this time, Virginia said she was in Pennsylvania with friends, that she had gotten some money, which is why she was in trouble. And at first she was va- as vague as last time. And she told her mom she was purposefully concealing her location don't worry though everything's fine signed virginia don't worry about me mom like i'm good yeah don't worry i'm fine everything that needs an explanation is uh not gonna get one 
fine. Yeah, has no explanation. And that should be enough for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> so after this second forged letter, uh, they're, they're kind of turning up no luck until they stumble upon Virginia's car on the side of a road f- covered in blood. Mm. This is an important clue, obviously, but aside from, uh, you know, signaling that something bad might have happened to her, uh, it was a dead end. There was just nothing they could take from this that led them There was them no evidence on the anywhere. car or anything? Well, at the time, there was no such thing as right. DNA evidence, you know, so it just mm. nothing they could figure out. Eventually, the sheriff just had to let the case go cold, which obviously was devastating for Virginia's mom, Claire, who at this point is missing her daughter and her grandkids and has absolutely no clue where they are, but thinks she knows who's responsible. But there's just absolutely nothing they can do. So the case goes cold and it is cold for years. Oh, my God. Wow. That is 14 years, to be specific. (gasps) Holy crap. Okay. And now we're fast forwarding to 1994. And Alice's son approaches police and he Mm. says, I have something to get off my chest. And they're like, okay, what is it? He says, when I was a teenager, I heard my mom confess to a murder. (gasps) And they're like, okay, we're listening, you know. Turns out it was not the murder of Virginia and her sons. Get out. It was the murder of her ex-husband, Ron, the abusive Vietnam veteran. Ugh. Well, okay. So now there's a whole, this has to at least open the door for them to wonder about her later. It does. Ding, ding, ding. Good call. So this is, uh, this is the story. Okay. So basically once her son back in the day was a teenager and he was with his mom when she got a little drunk got a little emotional started spilling some secrets she admitted that ron his stepfather his former stepfather had been abusive toward her she was scared of him so one night she went into his room while he slept and shot him in his bed she said she then dumped his body she put him in a barrel rolled it to her car and then dumped his body down a mine shaft and fled town and never reported this to anyone and no one had ever come looking for, for him. So That's wild, because I feel like at some point they're going to find a dead body, recognize who it was, and then see if he was married. Well, right? they put, a, put him down a mine shaft, and no one's oh, right. going down there. It's abandoned. It was an abandoned gold mine, so there was just no Got reason it. to be in there. Um, and so people just thought, well, he must have just gone off the grid, you know. And uh, police looked into this. They saw that this guy, Ron, had no paper trail. And they were like, okay, yeah, we can confirm he's probably dead. Um, and so the the kind of the tip you're sending in, you know, you're on to something here. So Alice had filed for divorce claiming abandonment instead of, you know, reporting this death to the police. And when he obviously failed to show up at the court date, she got this divorce request. N- no questions asked. So police jumped on the case, but unfortunately they couldn't turn up anything solid. Um, as for the mine, they went to the mine and it was way too dangerous. They needed like much more money and more reinforcements to be able to go down there safely and look. So once again, they just had to walk away. And mm. so the case went cold for another 11 years. What? Can I you know. imagine getting the courage to finally like I know out your mom like that? And then now you just live for over 10 years wondering if the police are ever gonna 
imagine every day you're like does she know that i told police yeah oh gosh that would be a terrifying thought i can't i would be i would be so scared every time and you'd probably be like was it worth it because nothing even came of it like it didn't even go anywhere oh boy Mm. yeah that's a really scary position to be in so it took another 11 years but in april of 2013 finally they were able to properly search the mine and they discovered a skeleton Oh. They were able to track down Ron's daughter, uh, and she gave her DNA evidence, and they were able to confirm that, yes, this was a skeleton of Ron. And just as Alice's son had described, they found this body in the mine shaft, and there was a bullet wound in the skull. So they bring Alice in to be charged with his murder. And uh, she resisted at first, but she finally broke down and admitted she had done it. But now she's saying, well, it was self-defense. And she said one night, (laughs) yeah, she changed the whole story. She says, one night Ron, quote, went berserk and was going to hurt her baby. So she shot him in self-defense. But the story she had told her son was that she just took the gun and walked in while he was sleeping and shot him. So, you know, just a different version of events. Meanwhile, Gerald hears that Alice, by the way, who's now 74 years old. Oh my and they're God. still they're still together. So Gerald hears that his beloved seventy four year old wife Alice has been arrested. Mm. Police call him and say, "Hey, we've taken uh taken your wife in for something that uh happened in Wyoming." Yeah, something and, pretty big. <laughs> uh, yep, just a little something or other, like a little a little a dab of something. And he just couldn't bear the thought of his beloved wife taking the fall for a murder that he committed so he went into the police station what? and he said i know you've arrested alice for the murder of virginia and her two sons but it was me i did it what he thought alice had been arrested for the murder of virginia and <gasps> the two boys he didn't know she was arrested for the murder of her ex-husband shut up so wait th- that sounds like a wait so th- if all that's true that sounds like a movie where like two people got married not knowing that they both had already killed their own spouses before finding each other or in the middle of finding each other. So he knew that Alice had killed her ex, but it, you know, he didn't think that this arrest, he, he thought the police basically framed it in a way to kind of trick him. They basically framed it as like, we've arrested your wife for something pretty bad and you need to come in and like, blah 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 and so he thinks oh my god they've arrested her for the thing i did Mm -hmm. which means they either found a body or they found some evidence so he goes in and he's like no no it wasn't her it was me and they're like interesting we didn't even bring up the murder of virginia and your two sons but if you're here to offer the information we'll take it so Oh, my God. What a trip. So he goes in. He thinks, oh, my gosh, she's been arrested for this. Uh, They don't tell him otherwise, to be clear. They're like, you can believe whatever you want. And uh, lucky for them, he did because he came in and immediately confessed. Mm. And uh, this is the story of what actually happened to Virginia and Gerald's two sons. Mm. So, oh, boy. Here we go. He had invited Virginia and the boys out bird hunting with him. So that part was true. And the boys 
were very excited. Uh, they showed up and they got in the car. They drove out a ways and Richard and Reagan jumped out of the car when they arrived, were playing where they parked on a lonely stretch of rural road in Wyoming. Uh, Gerald fired the gun a few times to make sure it was clean and wouldn't jam. Then he walked right up to Virginia, put the barrel behind her head and shot her. <gasps> oh, my and God. She died instantly. Okay. Then he approached Richard, who had heard the shot, but was facing away and didn't know that the last one had been at his mother. So Gerald walked right up to his son, Richard, put the barrel behind his ear and shot him and killed him. <gasps> Tragically, Reagan did see this happen and tried to run. But unfortunately, oh. he tripped and Gerald calmly approached him and shot him behind the ear as well. Oh, my and God. And he essentially killed his entire family in less than one minute. <gasps> uh, the bullets were small and stayed in their heads, so there wasn't too much blood. Uh, but he bought, loaded the three bodies into his vehicle and drove away, and he figured there was no way to pin anything on him. And when he was brought in for questioning many, many years ago, he basically just kept repeating the same story that Virginia and her sons never showed up for their get-together, so he has no idea where they are. And uh, that was it. And when they found out, you know, why, when they asked, why would you do this, your own sons, he basically said, I, I got no pleasure out of it. Uh, <laughs> which, which like, like, do you think this, like, this wasn't that easy for me? Exactly. Like, come on. What? And, uh, apparently, he saved fourteen thousand dollars in child in child support costs, and that was that was. Oh the reason. well, I'm sure that was uh that was the only reason. Yeah, fourteen thousand dollars. Yep. Wow, like it's one of those things where I'm like, at least a, a million dollars to kill your family, which is like such an which, a, yeah. A, backwards way of thinking but like you hear fourteen thousand, you're like it really was basically for free like you just wanted to it just you at just that point wanted feels them like, out of the picture yeah like you were just so mildly inconvenienced exactly it was an inconvenience that's the best way to put it it was literally just an inconvenience oh my god oh my god i really i didn't think it was gonna be him this this whole story because he really you very well told me in the beginning how much he loved his boys i know and it's like so fucked up because he adopted them immediately like was just like took them out like loved seeing them it's just so fucking twisted i don't know i don't know but he walked right in there and he said i know you've arrested alice for the murder of virginia but she didn't do it i did and police are like stunned because they thought yeah. they would need to do a little more tweaking to get him to like confess but he immediately confesses and he tells them like i said i didn't get any pleasure out of doing it none but it did stop the child support oh my like, god what kind of sicko but also and like what like double jackpot for the police that day like at least they got two murders two of them figured out two of but them and they just walked in and told him i so like wow it's so fucked up and you know now they've got him, whether he likes it or not. So on November 1st, 2013, Gerald pleaded guilty uh, in trial for the grisly killing. A few months later, Alice went on trial for Ron's death. Uh, Gerald was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. And Alice was found guilty of second degree murder. So basically um, lack of premeditation, because even though she used self-defense as her story, the jury 
believed that uh, Ron was in bed when he was killed, that he was mm. sleeping. So it's sort of like a mix of, you know, she didn't plan the murder, but also, and he had been abusing her, but also it wasn't like in self-defense in the moment, if that makes right. sense. Right. So ultimately, Alice was also sentenced to life in prison. And only a few months after her sentencing, she died in prison uh, in her 70s. Suddenly, Gerald rings up his lawyers and he says, um, you know, now that I no longer have to protect my wife, uh, I oh. actually want to admit that I never hurt anyone. Oh, oh, hmm. 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 That's uh, in- oddly convenient. So weirdly convenient. Uh, he said, in fact, Alice had shot and killed Virginia and the boys, and he only took the fall to protect her. Now that she was free, a.k.a. dead, uh, he could finally tell the truth. And so the courts were like, nah, man, like you literally walked in and said you shot your own sons. And now you're like, never mind. It wasn't me. It was my dead wife. Like, likely story. So, they, you know, whether it's true or not, I don't know. I mean, it seems like both of these people were capable of shooting a gun at someone else so i don't i don't know if it wasn't him i feel so bad for him but also if it was him which i'm uh, pretty sure it was <laughs> that but if it wasn't like, him why are you covering up for the woman who shot your own kids like exactly I'm, i don't have any sorry for that because it's like you should fine stay in prison you literally let their grandmother like live the rest of her days without knowing what happened to her grandkids because you wanted to protect your wife if they sh- if she was the one who shot them in the head i don't know I, something's twisted whether whether he did it or not there's something I'm, like really <sighs> twisted going on i'm pretty sure he's just trying to get out of it but i, I think also, so too i mean i don't i'm not an expert but that would be my gut my hunch well that was also the court's gut and hunch so they were like nah we're gonna keep you where you are so you know still in prison he continues to serve his life sentence in the wyoming state penitentiary and he maintains his innocence uh, to this day, which has now been 43 years since the crime. And he says he did it all to protect Alice, which again, like if Alice murdered your entire family, mm-hmm. explain yourself then. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you know, you, yeah, you it's loved not a her, very good answer, right? Like you loved her so much that you didn't care that she shot your nine year old son. Like mm-hmm. what? It, it's beyond me. It's beyond me. So, also for the, the detail he was able to provide and everything, yeah, too. So. Yeah, and I mean, they never found the bodies, so, you know, who knows? But apparently, uh, the uh, the daughter, uh, Alice's daughter, who was actually interviewed in an episode of Snapped I watched uh, about this, this story, said that when she was younger, she remembers her uh, stepdad, mm-hmm. Gerald, making an offhanded comment about... You got to have pigs around to take care of the body. And Ew. they lived on a farm and they had <gasps> pigs. Oh, and my God. So whether he did it or not, uh, he and Alice both clearly knew about it. And at least according to her. And, you know, I think they probably both knew about each other's crimes. You know, she yeah. she told him about killing her ex and throwing him in a mine shaft and he what if he shot the kids and virginia i'm pretty sure she knew about it too yeah they just held each other's secrets they both covered for each other uh you know it's it's really twisted either way and the way they described it uh 
in the episode of Snap too. It was this one guy who's an author. I don't know if he's has a medical degree, so I don't I don't think that this is like an official diagnosis, but either him or one of the investigators said, you know, I think this was a narcissist and a sociopath got married and both had just like these really dark past that they were just able to happily cover up for one another. That was yeah. his assessment of the situation. Oh my um, god. And also the, the pig comment really gets me because if he said that before he ever technically hurt somebody. Oh, this was after Oh, after. Okay. After they disappeared. Gotcha. I was going to say like has he done this before? Okay, that makes well, sense. Well, interesting you mentioned that because there is another theory that uh it that the that Ron, the ex-husband was not Alice's only victim. Mm. One of the theories goes that her second husband who died of uh, alcohol-related uh, problems mm-hmm. was maybe poisoned. And that is one of oh. the theories. Uh, and there's no, you know, set-in-stone proof for that, proof of that. But uh, the daughter who was interviewed said she believes that her mother killed her father, who who was that husband. Um, and she she thinks that she poisoned him because apparently, you know, the autopsy results are... Uh, conclusive with poisoning and they actually got uh, a warrant to dig up the body and Mm. they actually were going to do testing on it to see if it contained traces of poison but the body had been embalmed and so they weren't able to like trace anything wow Um, but investigators believe that it's it's possible that she also murdered her other husband so you know it's just like a big shit show of a family right there yeah this is i I just Hmm. Yeah. It's it's just like when you wonder how many times in my life have I walked uh-huh. past a murderer. It's like, can you imagine if you not only walked past a murderer, but you're a murderer and you marry someone who will become a murderer? And it just sounds just, it totally sounds like a show. You're right. Like a, it just sounds like a Law and Order like plot twist or it something. It sounds like one of those dark comedies where people like have a secret, but then they find out their partner also has a secret, and now they yeah. have to hide from the cops. And I don't know. And it's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, people have presented twisted takes on the couple, um, calling them crimes of passion and love. Like, what? Get out of here with that nonsense. I'm sorry. I mean, think about Virginia's mom, Claire, who unfortunately died in her 90s, but still never saw the case solved. And even Mm. though she knew Gerald had something to do with it, she never got to see him sent to prison. Um, And, you know, there's no love there. Uh, Nope. fucking twisted just nightmares yeah so that's the story the end ah well certainly a plot twist i really didn't did not see uh that coming i thought it was all gonna be alice all 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 alice and then really really did a number on me there christine with that storytelling just walked in and said no it wasn't her and they're like what wasn't her yeah, how convenient that they hadn't let too much information out or, I like, know. pride him more. Because then, like, he'd have just gotten away with it. Yep, exactly. And he, yep, could have gotten away with it. Wow. Well, good storytelling, Christine. Thank you. I, uh, you know, I, I was framing the whole story in terms of the the sins. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's greedy. That's prideful. Oh, that's <laughs> you're going to look at everything through that lens now. Yeah. And then at the end, you said crime of passion. I was like, and there's lust. I got there them all. It is. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. We Finally, nailed it. 
I had a really gross warped bingo game bingo to play. Card. Yep. Oy. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Um, we do. We have our after chat. We got to go yeah. do now. We actually have two after chats we got to do, which uh, I'm excited about. So I get to talk to you twice. Oh my god, it's your it's your dream come true. I really do love talking to you in the after chats because we finally get to talk about something that isn't true crime and paranormal. And I like, no, it's like people can tell that we actually do talk outside of yes. that. <laughs> and by the way, we could talk for the rest of eternity, which is why we're we are recording these because. Um, we might as well, you know, utilize some of it to to bring our patrons in on in on our bullshit conversations. But sometimes they're not bullshit. Well, that one time I remember we I was trying to think of that. I think I want to go pull that up. We did a Swedish hand clap game together in one of the after chats. <laughs> <laughs> and I sang the entirety of Mary Mac. And then in the episode after that, we discussed all the pitfalls of uh, mental illness. So, you know, they really range from like. It really chaotic if, to serious. If we had a podcast that wasn't about true crime, we would definitely never run out of what material. A what a mess it would be. It would what never a fun end. mess that would be. It a would real... be fun. Anyway, I'll see you over there, I guess. And if you would like to go listen, please join Patreon and check it out. We'll see you there. And that's why we drink. Clink. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. America. 